0: Amen! Isn't God good? Aren't you thankful you're in church today? Amen! Thankful God woke you up, allowed you to see another day. He didn't. He didn't have to, but I'm glad He did. Amen. Amen! It's so good to be here. So many memories. It was this pulpit right here 30 years ago that I preached my first message. And if you call what I did preaching, I don't know if you call that preaching, but I cried more than anything. But Amen. God has brought us a long way and He's been so faithful. And I give Him all praise, all glory, and all honor. Mimi, I honor you and Poppy. And I've known you since I was, I don't know, three or four years old. And, you know, y'all can call her Mimi, but she was my Mimi first. I'm just saying. I love her and I love, I miss Poppy dearly. and, And I give you all the honor today. Amen. And you're so worthy of it. Pastor Tim, Sister Teresa, You raised me like a kid, like one of your own. In matter of fact, Sister Teresa, I call her her mom more than I do anything else. And so I give honor to them today. I love them very much. Um, Brother Frank, I give you honor today. I was a teenager, and we went to Houghton College for camp meeting, me and my dad. My dad fell asleep, and I may or may not have snuck out. And brother frank may or may not have chased me all night (laughs) he was security (laughs) good memories good memories amen my when we came here i was seven and so my memories of the beginning or the the sprouting as pastor tim said is from the mind of a seven-year-old so they're a little different than than their memories but uh, there is one memory that i do want as we're getting into the getting into the word of god I, i need i do have a message but I was seven or eight years old and we were, uh, we moved here. It was poppy and Mimi and pastor Tim, sister Teresa and Matthew, who was a streaker. If you didn't know that he was a streaker as a kid and we all lived and my brother and I and my parents lived in the same house there on Taft road. And we had church in that house and we here was one bathroom in that house. And so once or twice a week, the sink became a hair washing station and a lot of memories there, but there was a day, Poppy and my dad were both at work. They were both working at Sears, I believe. And us kids were doing something, and I really don't remember what led to it, but Matthew fell down the stairs into the basement. And they got word to uh, Poppy and to my dad at work that, that they had called the ambulance and that Matthew had fell down the stairs. and. It was a scary moment, and um, Poppy uh, was in a predicament because Mimi, I believe, had dropped him off to work that day. He didn't have a vehicle. And my dad, the only vehicle he had was a little Volkswagen that he had made into like a a dune buggy. He had taken all the seats out of that Volkswagen except for the driver's seat. And so my dad had to drive Poppy to the house. So here's the image. You have a little small Volkswagen. You have no seats. You have a giant of a man in Poppy. And you have a milk crate. And Poppy sat on a milk crate while my dad was Mario Andretti trying to get to the house, holding on for dear life, sitting on a milk crate in the middle of a, a Volkswagen Beetle. And uh, that was a memory I have of Poppy. If you knew Poppy, that image, it's I'll never be able to forget that image. Amen. But what what memories, so many memories. Turn with your Bibles, Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah chapter 43, I'll be reading two verses, beginning in verse 18. Amen. We could be here all night telling stories, and, and I'm just, there's so many memories, and I'm just thankful for the goodness and mercy and grace of God. Hey man, I wouldn't be where I am today if it was not for this church right here and what took place in my life around these altars, running these aisles, prayer meetings in this place, the people. It was Sister Deanna McClellan, well, her name became McClellan. She was teaching Bibles. She was teaching the youth class downstairs in our youth class, and she's the one that taught me. If you're ever looking for Titus, Timothy, or Thessalonians, all the Ts are together in the New Testament. She taught me that as a kid, I've never forgotten it. If ever looking for a verse and then, oh, all the T's are together. They're all in the New Testament. Learn that right downstairs in this church. Isaiah 43 verse 18, remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Lord woke me up this morning with this message. I just want to simply preach a new thing. Amen, a a new thing. God, I thank you for your word is anointed. I thank you, God, for the power and presence that's in this place. I ask right now that your word go forth with clarity. Let it speak to each and every one of our hearts. Let us receive what you have for us. I give you thanks. I give you praise, and I give you glory for it. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen man. You may be seated. The setting in which we find our scripture text, Isaiah. If you go back one chapter to Isaiah 42, you're reading all about the judgment of God. uh, The Israelites had had displeased God. God, uh, It it, it talks about chapter 42 is all about the wrath of God and it's about the judgment of God. And then and then chapter 43 starts, and all of a sudden, it's it, it, it's it's like a switch happens. There's just a shift in the spirit, and Isaiah begins to prophesy about the goodness of God and about the mercy of God and about what God was going to do in the children of of Israel it that 43 goes from 42 is judgment 43 returns back to consolation and he says things like the one who created Jacob and formed Israel by giving Abraham the son of the promise and causing the 70 members of Jacob's family to grow up into a nation through the bondage of Egypt promises he will shelter and preserve his people I'm thankful for the promises of God I
1: have a promise that God says he will protect me. He will shelter me. I can hold on to that promise. When the storms of life are blowing and the winds are shaking and everything seems to be up in the air, I can hold on to the promise. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. He has promised. He will shelter and he will preserve my life.
0: You can hold on to those same uh, promises. God reminds Israel that he has removed fear from them because he redeemed uh,
1: them. Aren't you thankful for the power uh, of redemption that's in this place? Uh, If you look back over your life uh, and where God has brought you from, uh, every time uh, fear tries to creep its way into my life, uh, I can remember I have been redeemed. Uh, I am not the same man I used to be. Uh, I'm not what God, what I was, uh, but God... uh, Pick me up, turn me around, place my feet on a solid ground. He gave me a song to sing, I've been redeemed.
0: We can trust him, the prophet says, according to the evidence of his faithfulness seen in their early history. I'm thankful because if God has done it before, he can do it again.
1: We have that promise that he never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he's ever healed before, he can heal right now. If he's ever redeemed before, he can redeem right now. If he's ever provided before, he can provide right now. Whatever need you walked in this place with, whatever circumstances you're battling, he has done it before he's going to do it again so do it in my life God do it in my situation God do it all over again he says because he's done it before we can
0: look at where he's brought us from the prophet says and we can do we can boldly walk with faith the reason that Israel should receive this fearless reality of God It's because he has in past tense redeemed them. He's already proven that he loves us. He's already proven that he cares for us. And God explains that his mercy and judgment are always available to Israel. And a byproduct, they're always available to you and I today his mercy is available in this place. His grace is available in this place. He is the Holy One of Israel, he says. He is their Savior. Throughout this portion of Isaiah, God over and over and over again confirms the
1: fact that his very name is connected to his people. He says, I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. God, reminds. Israel of who he is. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is God almighty. He is full of glory. And he reminds them, not only am I a king, but I am your king.
0: Sometimes I think we forget that. We get to worrying, we get to fretting. We, we, we get to
1: can we get out of this situation that we in, but we forget he's my king, the king of kings, the lord of lords, God Almighty. He is my king. He wants to be a personal God. If you're in this place, I want you to know you're not alone. You're not walking through what you're walking through all by yourself because he's a personal God. He doesn't just want to be God, he wants to be your God. He doesn't just want To be king, he wants to be your king.
0: He reminds them he is merciful, he is holy, he's the creator of all things, he's the king of Israel. He said, Thus saith the Lord, which maketh a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters. He's remembering, reminding them of God, delivered them through the Red Sea. He brings them out of Egypt, and he brings them through the Red Sea on dry ground. And it says, which bringeth forth the chariot and horse, the army and power, and they shall lie down together and shall not rise. They are extinct. Uh, They are quenched as toe, talking about uh, the army uh, of Egypt being uh, drowned in that Red Sea. They made it through on dry ground, and as the army of uh, of Egypt tried to pursue them, uh, the waters collapsed. And their enemy was defeated. And then he says, after all of that, that's where our scripture text is remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Another translation says it this way don't you remember the former things? Don't you consider the things of old? This is not a command to forget past victories. That flies in the face of too many scriptures. Uh, Jeremiah said something very similar one time in Jeremiah 16 and 14. Therefore behold the day comes saith the Lord that it shall no more be said the Lord liveth uh, that brought up the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Uh, But uh, the Lord liveth that brought up the children of Israel from the land of the north and from all the lands whither he had driven them and I will bring them again into their land and I gave uh, unto their fathers. This isn't saying that past victories uh, are not important uh, or should be forgotten because Deuteronomy says there shalt uh, eat thou
1: shalt eat no no unleavened bread with it seven days shalt thou eat unleavened bread therewith and even the bread of affliction for thou camest forth uh, out of the land of Egypt in haste uh, that thou mayest remember the day uh, which thou came forth out of the land of Egypt all the days uh, of thy life. God isn't telling them forget what I've done in the past. Uh, Forget the victories uh, of years gone by. No uh, that's just uh, fuel uh, for me to get through today that's just a reminder he did it then he's gonna do it now I don't forget what he's done in the past I honor what he's done in the past because it tells me my future is safe my today is safe it was safe then it is safe now tomorrow will be safe when I get there because God does not change
0: story similar to Jacob one wording says you shall no longer be called Jacob Jacob that name's not eliminated it just becomes secondary to the name Israel it's not that the departure from Egypt it's uprooted from its place it's just that it's a reminder but here's the thing about past blessings if we're not careful they become idols to us I've heard people say the best days are behind us. I'm sorry. That's not the God I serve. That's not the word that I read. That's not what I believe. Uh, I'm thankful for the past victories. Uh, I
1: honor all those past victories. Uh, I'm preaching today that God uh, is about to do a new thing. Uh, He's about to do a new thing in your life. Uh, He's about to do a new thing in this church. Uh, He's about to do a new thing in this section. Uh, He's about to do a new thing uh, in this district. Uh, The best hasn't happened yet. Uh, The best hasn't happened. Uh, It's not just looking back, uh, but it's understanding. Uh, My God is with me right now. The future, it's bright. The future, it's great. I thank God for what he's done, but I also thank him for what he's about to do.
0: Mimi's here and Pastor Tim and Teresa are here and I'm thankful uh, for the many years of labor and
1: sacrifice uh, because uh, we wouldn't be here today uh, if somewhere along the line Mimi and Poppy just decided uh, it's not worth the fight. uh, It's not worth the struggle. uh, It's just not worth the prices too much. Uh, They could have closed the doors on Taft Road uh, and they could have went back to Arkansas uh, whenever they chose, uh, but they didn't uh, because they had a call of God in their life. Uh, We're here uh, because they were faithful there but that means I am required to be faithful now they were faithful which requires me to be faithful
0: We wouldn't be celebrating 40 years if poppy and Mimi Pastor Tims Sister Teresa decided somewhere along the line the battles too hard And they just walked away, but they were faithful that's something to remember and that's something to rejoice about but the story doesn't end with Poppy. The story doesn't end with Mimi. The story doesn't end with Pastor Tim and Sister Teresa.
1: The story doesn't end with the Whirlies. The story doesn't end with the Vonas. The story doesn't end with the D's. God is still writing the story. It continues. He hasn't done the best work yet. We haven't seen it yet. There is a new thing he's wanting to do. God's Yes, I've blessed you. Yes, I've been faithful, but you haven't seen all of my glory. You haven't seen all of the story. The author still has the pen in his hand, and he is still writing the story of this church, this section, this district. God is doing a new thing.
0: And so today God sent me, we're gonna celebrate those victories. I'm celebrating them with you. We've heard all the, we've heard so many stories over last night and today. I'm thankful for all of those memories, but God sent me the pulpit today to speak to
1: the future. I'm thankful for the past because we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that. But I learned one thing, that people say my past doesn't dictate my future. I'm not sure how much I agree with that because the past, he's been faithful for 40 years. That means he's going to be faithful if he carries. Uh, another 40 years Uh, we made it this far uh, and we're gonna keep making it Uh, he's the same God Uh, He never changes Uh, and if that is true uh, and if that is real uh, then that means uh, the past uh, can predict the future Uh, the past tells me uh, he was faithful then Uh, he will be faithful now Uh, and five years from now uh, 10 years from now uh, he will still be faithful
0: God is about to do a new thing greater things are ahead greater victories, greater miracles Jesus said in John 14 and 12 verily verily I say unto you he that believeth on me the works that I do shall he do also and greater works than these shall he do because I go unto my father Greater works than these what's greater than the work of Jesus Christ how is that even possible greater works than these shall he do Jesus did not mean greater in the sense of more sensational more powerful Jesus left behind a victorious church that was the whole purpose of going to Calvary. It was the whole purpose because the comforter was going to come back and the day of Pentecost was going to take place and he, they were going to be endued with power
1: from on high. He left a church that was not anemic. He left a church that was not weak. He left a church that was powerful and he knew the church is going to go forward. The church is going to march forward. Greater things than these shall you do. Not more powerful, not more sensational. It just means we're going to add on that foundation that we've been given we're just going to add on to that foundation and we're just going to keep on building keep on growing keep on walking keep on pressing into what god calls us uh, to do
0: the promise seemed impossible yet peter's first sermon three thousand people are converted 2,000 people repent, are baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost. A few days later, 5,000 are added to the church. It's not that these works are greater than the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. They were just added on to that unveiling story. Just adding on to that unveiling. Proverbs 4.18 says, But the path of the just is as a shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day the path of the just. As long as we're faithful with God, we're faithful with him, and we walk with him, and we just continue growing. We're not doing greater. When we say greater things are ahead, that's not diminishing anything God's done in the past. That's not diminishing anything God's done in our lives up to this point. All that
1: saying is God's got more. He's going to just keep adding on. I'm thankful he knows how to add on. Just keep adding on my story. If my story was over, he could just call me on home, but that's not what he has in store. There's some more. There's greater. There's added on that still has to happen. And there's some adding on that's still about to happen in CLA. There's some adding on that's about to happen in your life. God's been good to you right now, but this isn't your full testimony. He's not through in your life. He's not through in your family. He's not through with your kids. He's not through in your family. The enemy tells you it's too late. They've gone too far. But I've come to tell somebody uh, he's about to do a new thing Uh, God's not done uh, with your family Uh, God's not done uh, with his church Uh, God uh, is adding uh, on uh, to the story
0: the enemy tries to tell you it's too late they've gone too far they've done too much No, I'm sorry. You don't know my testimony. Very few people know my testimony. But I should not be here today. I shouldn't be alive much less be here and I definitely shouldn't be preaching God's word. I definitely shouldn't be shouldn't have the wife that I have, the kids that I have, the blessings that I have. You
1: don't know my story. You don't know where I was. You don't know what happened on those streets right out there in my life. I used to run those streets. You don't know what God did in my life. Yes, my daddy was a preacher. Yes, I love my poppy and my mimi. but I had to learn on my own. God is a savior God is a redeemer and there came a time in my life I had to make a decision am I gonna stay out there or am I gonna make my way back in here
0: I'll never forget I'm completely off my notes now I'll never forget My dad was in sales, and he was all over, and he was out of town a lot. And I was running the streets and acting crazy. And my mom had had enough. So she enlisted help from a giant of a man named Poppy. And Poppy came by the house one day. Had been out late the night before. He probably knew, I mean, I don't know if he ever knew what I was involved in, but he just he knew I had a weak spot when I was a kid. And I did find one, brother Bob, there's one in Liverpool. For a place called Friendlies. Friendlies had a little thing that I loved. It was five scoops of heaven on earth. Called the Reese's Pieces of Sunday. And Poppy took me to Friendlies. And I was sitting there. And I was halfway through that, five scoops of chocolate with extra hot fudge and extra peanut butter. And I was shoving it into my mouth as fast as I could. And I had that spoon in my mouth. And Poppy says, so you've been giving your mom a hard time. And Poppy began to lay the law down. Well, you might not have ever seen Poppy get lay the law down, but I witnessed it that day. He was smart enough to do it while I had my mouth full of Reese's Pieces of Sunday. How can you get mad when you got that, uh, that awesome ice cream in your mouth? And I'm like, Nurr. But it was also poppy that one day when I was sitting in the back row, cold as I could be, that come back there and wrap those big old teddy bear arms around me and said, "Son, I think it's time for you to make your way to the altar." And I'm thankful that I had an elder in my life. He didn't just cast me off and throw me aside. He didn't just say what wasted talent he is, what wasted, you you don't know. You have no idea where I was and I don't talk about my past. But I don't deserve to be here. Every friend I have is either dead, in prison or addicted. That was the three options I had in my life. But I know a God who is rich in mercy I know a God who is rich
1: in mercy and I'm off my notes but I'm telling a mom and a dad right now don't you give up don't you dare stop praying don't you dare stop fasting don't you dare stop believing because I am a witness God can reach them anywhere and he can turn their life around and he can do a new thing in their life
0: God said, Behold, I will do a new thing. I love the word picture here. He parted the waters of the Red Sea for their deliverance. He brought dry land where there was nothing but a sea. But here he says, I'm going to do a new thing. I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. He said, You know me as the one that parted the waters and created dry land. But I'm going to do a new thing. I'm going to take the dry land and make water flow. Your, your, your mind is so it's it's, it's it's so conformed
1: to what you know and what you think and what you've seen and the testimonies that you heard and you limit God into what you know and you limit God into the experiences that you have. But God said, don't ever put me in a box. I'll do a new thing and I'll take what you think is the limit of my ability and I'll show you. I can do it all different. I can do it a whole new way. I parted the waters and created dry ground well guess what I can take the dry ground and create a mighty river I can do it one way or I can do it another way I just come to tell somebody heads or tails we win heads or tails God can do it one way he can do it another way and he will do it a new way
0: He said, I'm going to send water to the dry places before I sent dry places to the water. But now I'm going to send water to the dry places. I'm going to do a new thing. But here's the thing. If you walk with God very long and God says, I'm about to do a new thing in your life. To some, that's exciting. To others, that is very frightening. When God tells me he's going to do a new thing, I don't always love new things. I'm just going to say, I'm living a new thing right now. A year ago, my whole life turned. I thought I, had my, I thought I had 25 years mapped out. And then one day, it all turned. I'm living a new thing right now. We don't like new things. Not really. Because it's scary. It's intimidating. From time to time, lobsters have to leave their shells in order to grow. If they do not abandon their old shell, that shell will become a prison and will eventually turn into their casket. The scary and vulnerable part of the transition period is when you're in between the old shell and the new shell. And when you're in that moment God's doing a new thing in your life, so many times what you know seems to be a whole lot more comfortable than what you don't know. And the enemy comes in and tries to tell you, "Oh." You better fear what's going on. You don't know what tomorrow holds. And he tries to intimidate you by the change that God's doing in your life. But if you go back to that old shell, it's just going to become a casket. You got to just, uh, you got to just allow uh, the spirit of God just to resonate in your spirit uh, and say, God, I don't know where you're going. I don't know where you're taking me. I don't know what this new thing is going to look like, uh, but God,
1: I trust you. Uh, at the end of the day, that's what it boils down to. Uh, I trust you. Uh, you love me uh, with an unquestionable love. Uh, you love me with perfect uh, love. Uh, and so you're not going to fail me. Uh, you're not going to take me out there to die. Uh, you're not going to bring me out to this new thing. Only to watch me fall on my face uh, and fail uh, so you can sit back and be entertained. No, uh, you love me. uh, So you're going to take me into the new thing uh, and you're going to show me and you're going to grow me uh, and you're going to work the miracle that needs to be worked in my life.
0: We all like the new shell in theory, but we don't like the process of getting there. Philippians three thirteen, 13, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press towards the mark for the prize, of the high calling of God in, my, in, my, in Christ Jesus. Forgetting those things which are behind. Again, that's another one of those statements. It, it doesn't mean we forget what he's done. He's talking about a race. Reference a runner. If you ever ran long distance, when I was when I was in school, I ran some cross country. A runner doesn't focus on the race that's behind them. If you're running long distance, if you ever run, if do any kind of running and training, you're gonna if you're gonna get to a point in that in that run or in that training session that you hit what's called the wall. And when you hit the wall, everything within you screams stop. It screams quit. It screams too much. I've been there. My legs don't want to move. My whole body ached. My shoulders, my joints. I felt. I, I tasted um, that metallic taste in my mouth. Uh, everything was screaming. Uh, Give up and quit. Uh, stop uh, now. Uh, but I don't think uh, about wow, uh, wow. But but man, it was such a beautiful trail. I'm thinking, no, uh, I still got
1: just a little ways ahead. Uh, I, I can almost see that finish line. Uh, I can almost see where he's taking me. Uh, I may think back uh, that 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 part of the race I've already ran and say, you know what, uh, I've. Already Already ran such and such amount of miles. I've already come this far. I think back, and all it does is propel me forward and tell me I made it this far. I'm just going to keep putting one foot in front of the other, and I'm just going to keep. Pressing on, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of Jesus Christ in my life. I just keep marching forward. And let me tell you what'll happen. You'll make it a little ways, and all of a sudden that wall falls down, and this wave of energy hits you all over again. And that exhaustion, it just seems to dissipate, and strength comes out of nowhere, and you get that second. And, win, and you just keep running until you cross that finish line come on somebody you may be at the wall right now but keep pressing keep pressing keep pressing God is doing a new thing in your life
0: and he spake a pair unto them no man put a piece of new garment upon an old but otherwise they both, the both new, maketh a rent. And the peace that was taken out of the new agreeth not with the old. And no man putteth new wine into old bottles. Else the new wine burst the bottles and be spilled and the bottles perish. New wine is put into new bottles. And both are preserved. Salvation is a beautiful thing. Jesus did not come to patch up your old life. And I'm thankful he didn't come to patch up my old life. No, Jesus comes to provide a new and superior garment to a whole new life. Isaiah 61 says, He's come to appoint to them that mourn in Zion to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning the garment of praise for the Spirit. Of heaviness. The wine of the Holy Ghost, it cannot be improved upon. It is new but not different because we have the same experience that the apostles had when we read that Acts second, and we read through that day of Pentecost experience, the same Holy Ghost they,
1: that they were filled with is the same Holy Ghost I'm filled with. It's the same Holy Ghost that you're filled with because it comes from the same source. A God that never changes. A God, that is the same yesterday, today, and forever.
0: But you cannot put this powerful wine into an old wineskin. It'll burst. It's too dry. It can't stretch as the wine matures. New wine has to be put into fresh, radically different wineskins. That's what salvation is all about in our life. He completely changes the vessel. That's what He's doing in your life right now. He's changing the vessel. But, Pastor, that's also what happens to the church. God wants to do a new thing, so He creates new vessels. We have to have our wineskins renewed. We can experience revival. and We can experience renewal. But when God brings us something, that, that happens when God brings us something we've had before. And that's all great and that's all wonderful. But then there are seasons when God wants to do not only restore us, but he wants to transform us. And when he is finished, we're not going to feel the same. We're not going to look the same. We're not going to act the same. You say, well, I've been in this thing for 20 or 30 years. Great. But you still haven't. You haven't reached the point where God's through. God wants to do a new thing in your life and that's why you're in the season you're in right now and all the
1: changes feel uncomfortable and all the things that's happening that you don't like. You don't like how it feels and you're that lobster outside the shell. You're kind of just like, I don't know what I think about all of this. God has an incredible anointing. He's about to pour into your life but he has to change some things before that anointing can be poured out. He has to change some things but Because the old me can't handle the new anointing. The old me has to change if I'm going to walk in the anointing and the authority and the power that he wants me to walk in. So I hold his hand and I walk by faith and I trust him in the process.
0: Some people become complacent. And they don't want new wine because it makes their old wineskins uncomfortable. They say, why push? Why push? I'm content right where I'm at. I'm comfortable right here where I'm at. But what they don't realize is their old wineskins are dry and empty. And God is ready to do a new thing. So let's push forward into the purpose and plan of God for our lives. Shakespeare wrote in the twelfth night, be not afraid of greatness. Some are born great, some achieve greatness, and others have greatness thrust upon them. I don't build theology on the writings of Shakespeare, but I do see a message there in that statement. You can't fear the greatness. God's got a greatness for each and every one of you, individually and corporately. This church, this section, this district, whatever church you're from, whatever church you represent, God has a greatness uh, that he has in store for your life and for your church. Uh, We cannot fear the greatness. Uh,
1: We cannot fear uh, that calling. Uh, We must walk boldly into what he is calling us to do. Is it uncomfortable? Yes. Is it scary? Yes. Is it intimidating at times? Yes. But do you trust God? Do you really trust God? Because if you trust him, you will know he will never leave me. He will never forsake me. He knows what's best for me. I can promise you one thing. You can have your plan or you can have God's plan, but you're probably not going to have both. But I'll also promise you, is something else God's plan is always greater than our plan we think we know the best but he knows the end from the beginning and his plan is always greater than our plan
0: I'm quickly coming to a close that the musicians will come I was reminded this week of the story of two guys in the Bible. Their name was Eldad and Me Dad. I don't know about you, but I've often wondered who names these people. Who names them and then rhymes? Eldad and Me Dad. But there's two guys by the name of Eldad and Me Dad. And God is telling Moses, I want to do a new thing in Israel. Well, Moses is tired, and he's wore out frustrated and god says i'm about to do a new thing i want you to pick 70 men bring them to the tabernacle i am going to impart anointing into their life he says i'm going to take your anointing and i'm going to put it into their life it wasn't diluting Moses' anointing it was multiplying most Moses' anointing. And so Moses does it. He picks out 70 men. And they make it to the house of God. And they're at the tabernacle. All of a sudden the power of God falls. And, and God does exactly what he told Moses he was going to do. And the power of God begins to hit these 70 men. And they begin to prophesy. But then the scripture says that actually there wasn't 70 men there. There was only 68. Two men, for whatever reason, didn't make it to the tabernacle in time. And they were out in the middle of the camp, Eldad and Medad. And all of a sudden, God said, I'm going to pour my anointing out on 70 men. 68 may be here, but there's two more. That's a part of that 70. And God pours his anointing out in Eldad and Medad's life out in the middle of the camp. And while the 68 are prophesying in the tabernacle, Eldad and Medad are out in the middle of the camp. And they just start prophesying. They're prophesying about the goodness of God. And they're prophesying about what God's going to do. And it scares the people. Because they're not used to that. That's new. They're used to Moses being the one prophesying. They're used to, they're used to God speaking a certain way. And so a young man runs to Moses and he tells Moses what's going on. You find it in Numbers 11, verse 27. And there ran a young man and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad do prophesy in the camp. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of Moses, one of his young men, Joshua is just a young man right now. He doesn't really know what he's about to say. And he answers and says, My Lord, Moses forbid them. Because this was new, it was scary, it was intimidating. Moses forbid them and Moses says this in verse 29 envious thou for my sake would God that all of the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them Moses said why would I forbid them Why would I try and stop what God
1: is doing? He said, I wish every man, woman, boy, and girl would buy into what God is doing. The harvest that is upon us. It's going to take more than just bishop. It's going to take more than just pastor. God is calling some men and some women in this place today, and he wants to impart his blessing, his glory, his anointing in your life. It's time. It's time, not just for the church to prophesy not just to prophesy in the building but it's time for some saints to be walking on their job site and walking on their school campus and walking into their neighborhood and into the supermarket and they meet somebody and all of a sudden the spirit quickens them and they begin to speak thus saith the word of God it's time God's gonna do a new thing there's a harvest there's a harvest there is a harvest we all stand.
0: God is commissioning people in this service right now. And this is what I feel to do. We're gonna have an altar call here in just a second. And if you're a child of God in this place, and you are ready to answer that commission, I want you to just begin making your way to the front. I've asked Brother Vona, he's bishop of this local assembly. I'm going to ask him to pray. God wants to impart a whole fresh anointing on his people. The Spite mentioned it last night. It was referenced more than once last night. There is a harvest. God has a harvest. An innumerable harvest. I don't know what that number is. I don't know what that means. But I know that right now. We, we talk about that. This innumerable harvest. But think about that for a moment. If 50 new people showed up to your church Sunday, tomorrow, and got the Holy Ghost, would you be able to sustain that? Do you have the programs in place? Do you have the classes, the teachers, to shepherd and to teach, to mold and and, 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 and to mentor? God is telling the church, don't wait till the 50 show up. You need to start preparing right now. You need to start preparing right now. You need to start prepping
1: for the harvest. You need to start prepping uh, for what God is about to do. uh, Because when it gets here, it's going to come faster than we're ready for. uh, And it's going to happen because God knows how to move suddenly. uh, And we need to be prepared. Uh, We need to be ready. Uh, There is a harvest that is coming. Yes, we're in revival. Uh, Yes, we're in revival right now. Uh, The winds are blowing. Uh, But is there a people that says, God... Do a new thing in my life
0: and do a new thing in my church. If you're ready to answer that cause, Bishop and Pastor comes and prays.